you're doing, taking care of devotees and allowing devotees to take care of you, is uh, the essence of Krishna consciousness. In the Nectar of Instruction, Rupa Goswami mentions the loving exchanges between devotees as something essential. How do we know it's essential? Because it's in his book. His book is the Nectar of Instruction, and he's put 11 verses only that summarize the whole process of Krishna consciousness, as well as mentioning hierarchies of what is most important, where we should put our attention. And even before he talks about chanting the holy name of the Lord, Rupa Goswami says, Dadati Pratigranati Guya Makyati Prichchiti Bhute Bojayate Chaiva Shagudam Priti Lakshanam. The Priti Lakshanam, the quality of love between the devotees is expressed in several ways. And do you all know what they are? Dadati Pratigranati. So, Dadati means to give gifts. And then what's the second part of it? To receive gifts. Dadati Pratigranati Guyam Akyati Prishati. So, what does that mean? Guyam, that which is uh, confidential. To have a place, a person you can talk to who's confidential and you can reveal your mind and talk about your realizations, talk about the process of anarta nivriti. It's very important actually, a point I really appreciated that Chaitanya Charan made once was that how is it that an advanced devotee could fall back temporarily from the process of devotional service? Navajano jato katan Pratan Brijan Mukunda Sevan Yavaran Grisham Smritim Smaran Mukundang Yupguharam Punar Vihatamichena Rasagrahojana Narada Muni says devotees, if they ever step back from the path of devotional service, they somehow or other fall down. He says they're still haunted by Rasa. They've been embraced by the Lord, Rupaguhanam Punar, and they remember that embrace again and again. And that's a Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's commentary where he says, they're haunted by the ghost of rasa, the taste they once had. So it's not that devotees uh, <clears throat> fall down permanently, but there is a way they can fall back. How is it that an advanced devotee uh, that could happen to? And he said that... Sometimes anartas come out of nowhere. Just like bubbles come up from the bottom of a pond, unexpectedly might be sitting there and watching a serene pond and suddenly a bubble from beneath the surface of the muddy bottom comes up and then pops at the top, just comes somehow or other. And in various places in the Shastra, it is mentioned that somehow or other these things come up. Sopadamulam bhajata priyasya tatanya bhavasa hare priyeshaha vikarma yachtut patitankatanchit tunoti sarvam priti sandivishta is mentioned in the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam that sometimes, somehow or other, devotees uh, have some vikarma in their life. So, in a, in a way that is unexpected, it comes up in the life of an advanced devotee who's doing quite well. But then, a person might then think, I cannot reveal my weakness to anybody because if I do, then I might uh, discourage them or I might, uh, I might be attached to my stature as being infallible. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, there's the infallible, they're called infallible in the spiritual world, the souls, and in this world they're called fallible, so one can accept that. And so if one then doesn't have a confessor, a person to speak to this about, then one might just hold it within and secretly uh, have this weakness. And then at some time maybe overcome by that because if we don't have a, a way to rise above it by 
first acknowledging that we have some difficulty and then having a, a person, someone to talk about it with, to then deal with it directly, then it, it may just consume us. That's possible. So this was his theory he put forward as how an advanced devotee might fall back. It's because of a lack of a confidential person to speak about it with. And therefore, it's, a, it's so valuable to have guhyam, akyati prishati. There's a way in which you can ask questions to someone, say, what happens if this happens to me? What should I do? And some, some place to reveal, this is what's actually going on, this is what I'm thinking, how do I overcome this doubt, and so forth. After all, at some point, we have to be completely real with ourselves and with somebody else in our lives who can accept who we are as we are now, so we can make progress. In the 11th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, Krishna says, Sve Sve Adhikarya Nishta Saguna Parikirtita. That if one is able to be real and accept one's position, however faulty it may be, without putting on any pretense, then uh, that's a good quality, he says. Saguna. In this context, that means a good quality. Viparyo to Dosha said, he said, the opposite is true. If you hide your fault or you're, you try to act in a way that is more than your level or your adhikari, then he said, this is a fault. So this uh, system that you have here where you can have a connection with someone who you can trust and you can express how you're doing and then take shelter in the fact that uh, I can reveal this and admit it and see where I am and then see where to make progress. Bhunte boja ite chaiva. That's the last couplet, and that is that giving prasad and accepting prasad. Does anybody mind that one? Don't mind it myself. So I find I, I was invited once to come to a mediation. They were choosing up sides because there was somebody who was a little bit wayward from ISKCON and it was a leader. And uh, there were supposed to be three people on, each, on, both, on each side of the mediation. So I got chosen. I was elected somehow as a moderate and invited to come in and uh, be in the mediation. Before the mediation, there was a lot of hesitancy. I didn't mind myself because I'm neutral. And... Anyway, I could see there was, there's always some trepidation one might lose one's position coming into a mediation. What if I have to make concessions? And then during the mediation, I saw some heated discussions. But then after the mediation, we all sat down for prasadam. And there I didn't see any friction. <laughs> in fact, in my estimation, after three days of mediating, of being in a mediation, that was the time when we made the most progress. And so it's important to take time to share prasadam with others. It's such a loving thing to do. Every living entity likes those who feed them. If you find a squirrel somewhere and you want to be a patron, you give them a little peanut butter, maybe a cracker to go for the peanut butter to go on, a glass of water to wash his, wash his little tongue with afterwards, he'll come back the next day and say, hey, I know you, you're my friend. And uh, anywhere in the world you go where devotees are distributing prasadam, like I went in uh, Dallas, Texas, I was going door to door with some devotees. It's near Kalachanji's restaurant. And any door we'd knock on, and they go, oh, you guys are from Kalachanji's, come on in, <laughs> we love you. So, bhunte bhojayate chaiva, we should break bread together. Give prasadam, accept prasadam. These are the six loving exchanges between devotees. And renunciation really means developing loving relationships with devotees. There's no possible way to maintain a position of detachment from the material world without having attachment in loving exchanges with devotees because the only thing that fully fills up our hearts enough that we're not attracted to the material world anymore is the relationships we have with the devotees. When we love devotees and we love to be loved by the devotees, 
and we're filled up by that. We can withstand the powerful currents of the material nature. In fact, in a purport, Prabhupada writes about how when one takes sannyas, it means that they should seek higher association. It's not about renouncing the material world as, as, as much as it is in having deep, intimate relations with the most advanced devotees. And that's true for all of us. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, seek advanced association and hear in the association of devotees, especially Srimad Bhagavatam. If you're the smartest one or the most advanced one in the room, you're the, in the wrong room. Try to get in those rooms where there are more advanced devotees. And as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, tadvidi there's three jewels that you can either make into a bracelet or you could wear it as a necklace. I suppose you could invent some earrings for it too, but these jewels. The first is that you um, should be very submissive to those who are vetted and who are solidly situated in devotional service. And that is because when we are humble before those that have good qualities, they tend to favor us and give us what they have. Pariprashanena means ask good questions. Once in Japan, there was a new bhakta, and he asked Prabhupada, have you ever met Indra? <laughs> and Prabhupada said, what difference does it make to you whether I've met Indra or not? <laughs> and Srivikram Maharaj was there and he said, Indra would be lucky if he met Prabhupada. <laughs> and Prabhupada said, you should ask questions that are for your advancement, not simply out of some bizarre form of curiosity. Obscure questions, questions that are inconsequential. But we should ask important questions and Good questions come up only when we're practicing deeply. If you're learning to play the harmonium, for instance, and your teacher gives you something to study, you only have questions when you go back to your teacher if you studied so hard that you ran into some place that you couldn't go any further. That means you practice, practice, and then you say, oh, I can't do this part. No matter, I can't figure it out from the book. I can't figure it out from the recording. I have to go back and ask my teacher. So if we're... Practicing very deeply and sincerely will have very deep questions to ask from those who are more advanced. We should render service. Has anybody rendered service to you before and then you found out later that they needed to borrow your lawnmower or something like that? And that's why they did it. Or they wanted you to buy something at the end. And by the way, uh, I just started a new multi-level program and I'd like you to buy some product. Uh, then you feel like, oh, uh, I don't feel so obligated to that person because it's tit for tat. But if someone does service to us, they don't want anything in return, it's out of love, we feel eternally indebted to such a person. It's, it's unimaginable how we would pay them back. A, a loving uh, exchange or gift or service rendered out of love, not even out of duty, but not out of prospect, certainly, and not out of fear or duress. But if it's rendered out of pure love, then it's impossible to pay back. And when we render service to those who are in knowledge and who are steady in devotional service, their heart opens and the contents run out to us. And what is the content of the heart of a devotee? who's purely practicing Krishna consciousness, well, that's answered in the purport to the famous verse, evambrata svapriyanama kirtya jatana rago jita chuta uchar, which mentions that the heart of a pure devotee is druta chitta. It's a melted heart by the power of the holy name. But what is the fluid that's running there? Well, as it turns out from the commentary, it's rose apple juice. Now, I don't know what that is, but it sounds very nice. The rose apple juice pure stream will flow out to us when we render service, when we ask relevant questions, and we're very humble. When I went back to school for a little while, I went to the university and I found out students don't pay attention, they put their feet up, they don't listen to the teacher, 
I was trained in the Brahmacharya Ashram to sit and listen, sit in the front and listen. People thought I was the pe teacher's pet when I went there. They said, why are you listening so carefully? He's like, that's how I was taught to learn. And this is a, a rare thing in this world. Everyone thinks I know better. They think I know better than my teacher even. But spiritual life doesn't work like that. We find someone who we can trust and who has knowledge and we, we humble ourselves. And we have this mantra we can say. It's really risky to say it though. Then you probably don't want to do it. You do? Okay, three people want it. Everybody else, cover your ears for just one minute. Okay, repeat after me. I live, I live to, be to be corrected. Okay, if you have a spouse here, turn to your spouse and say, I live to be corrected. <laughs> I live to be corrected. <laughs> What's this about? If you have a friend, turn to your friend and say, I live to be corrected. We come together in the Sangha of devotees to be corrected. If we live like that, if we're very open, then we'll receive the favor of the devotees. So, yeah. Uh, trying to think of a verse. Veta tom saumya tat sarvam tatvatas tadanugrahat bruyu shishyasya bruyu snigdasya shishyasya guruvo kuhyamaputa as mentioned by the sages in Naimasharya about Sutta Goswami, they, they're exalting him and they're saying, you know everything. Why? Because Sonya. You're a very soft personality. And you're, you're very uh, submissive to all your teachers. Therefore, they have bestowed their... Uh, most intimate teachings upon you. That's why Sutta Goswami was so advanced. He got the mercy of the devotees. And I've had this experience before, sitting with those who are deep in knowledge. And uh, when the relationship is right, and I'm able to have the opportunity to sit with such a person and ask questions, that... I've experienced it for myself. It's like, what's it on Mac when you you have something on your phone and then you transfer it over really quick? It's like an airdrop. Because it ding, and then you can see it. It's downloading, and I feel like, wow, this person has associate has had association with Prabhupada. This person has had association with great souls and has done tapasya and has chanted millions of rounds and done so much service. And now, because I'm submissively sitting before such a person, it's downloading, it's an airdrop. Cling, and then it's all of a sudden it's going in. That's the magic of association. So that's what you've created here. It's a brilliant system that you have to have a relationship, solid relationship to hold you together and to take advantage in the ways that that I mentioned to be strong in devotional service. It's a team sport. We all, it's uh, one of my godbrothers once said, I think it was Devamrita Swami, that Gaudiya Vaishnavism is a culture of guidance. We should all be seeking guidance from many different directions. Personally, I collect mentors. I'm always looking for a mentor and then I try to settle into the relationship as best as possible in the most appropriate way that I can. And many times, the, those such mentors, they could be godbrothers, they could be um, other kinds of relationships in the spiritual family. But if they have knowledge and I approach them in the right way, most of the time they're really open to an airdrop on a regular basis. And it's the quickest way to make advancement in devotional service is to follow in the footsteps of those who already have momentum in devotional service and try to serve them. And that is confirmed in all the Shastras. 
Don't try to start over yourself or be independent. Just be humble, submissive, and find those who are advanced and then try to serve them and follow in their footsteps. Bejare muneo tagre bhagavantamadhoksajam sattvam vishudham shemaya kalpante e nutaniha. Bhagavatam, second canto. It's one of the 34 verses, right? Say yes. Divinity and divine service, in my humble opinion, everyone should memorize those 34 verses. Hare Krishna. Did you hear what I said? In my humble opinion, everyone should memorize the 34 verses of the second chapter of the Bhagavatam, which is entitled? The Divinity and Divine Service. Is it called Divinity and Divine Service? Yes. Say yes. yes. So we have a we're making buttons for for next time. It's also called get the thirty-four. Get the thirty-four. Please get these thirty-four verses. You can uh, record them, listen to them, and memorize these verses. Okay. Say yes. Yes. Thank you. In the verse I just quoted, and it's the last thing I'll say for now. Which is Bejare Muniyo Tagre Bhagavantamadhoksajam Satvam Vishudam Shemaya Kalpante Yenutaniha. The implication of this verse is that the great sages of yesteryear, uh, Agre, previously the great sages, worship Lord Vishnu. Why? Because he's the ultimate. He's beyond the three modes of material nature, and therefore one can derive the highest benefit from worshiping Lord Vishnu. Now, that's what the great sages did, correct? Say yes. 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 Now comes the part that's the real payoff. If we follow in the footsteps of those sages, doesn't mean you have to be a great sage. You can be from anywhere or any position of life at all. If you try to follow in the footsteps of those great sages, you're qualified for the same result that they achieved. You become qualified by following in the footsteps. What a great culture. If you just follow in the footsteps of the great sages and take advantage of the process to the best of your ability at this particular time that you'll attain the same results that such great souls attained. Om Tat Sat. Now what would you like to talk about? Yes, please. We have microphones. You might be aware of the fact of the, the science of sound. It's very interesting to notice how the, if that passes before the speaker, there's an infinite loop that creates that ever-escalating intensity of sound. Go ahead. Oh, could you expand on compassion, giving that to Mahavadana? Compassion. Yes. What is compassion? In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Atmao pam yena sarvatra samam pashiti yorjana, sukham vayarivadukam sa yogi paramo mataha. Krishna says, The parama yogi, the highest yogi, is one who has empathy. Empathy comes from Latin, em in pathi, feel, to feel what's inside somebody else. And in this verse, Krishna uses that word, Atmao pam yena. Sarvatra. So, Atmapamyena means somebody who feels empathy for others, and they're both in their happiness and distress. The person knows categorically that the material world is a place where we're uh, out of alignment, no matter what we do, because of being an inferior energy, and we're mixing it up with an inferior energy. So he feels this sense of uh, empathy for others because such a yogi has been through it him or herself and knows what it's like and also knows that I've been the recipient of mercy that's allowed me to rise above the vicissitudes. Where's the research department? Are you guys looking stuff up or what? What's going on over here? Come on, look stuff up. Vicissitudes. Get your research thing going. So... I don't know, V-A-S-S, V-I-S-S, vicissitudes. It's a good $3 word. Um, 
they're able to rise above. So compassion means that I've been picked by pins, therefore I know what it's like when others are pricked by pins and I feel for them, I know what it's like. That's why devotees are important. Now, uh, devotees have a special impetus to help us because they know what we're going through. Because they've gone through it themselves, they are going through it themselves, and they have great compassion. Advaita Acharya, for, in, for instance, I'll call him in just a sec. Advaita Acharya, for instance, is Mahavishnu. He has some awareness of the material condition. That's why he was so keen to have Chaitanya Mahaprabhu come, because Mahavishnu, he glances over the material nature, it's part of his Shristi Lila. He gets it started and there's a little collateral damage here when the souls come into the material world. He says in the Bhagavad Gita, Nakartritvam the Karmani Loka Sastrajati Prabhu, that uh, I, don't, uh, I don't get involved with the karma of the living entities, but he's aware that, that they're going through that, so he has some compassion. But devotees who are on the ground, who have been lifted up themselves, like I have disciples in jail. And he'll always be there, because he, uh, he's in jail life without parole. I actually went into the jail and gave him initiation inside. And when the door closed behind me, I had a, more, I had a deeper feeling of what freedom feels like. Because I was like, uh, you guys remember that I came from out there, right? <laughs> and even when I was on the little bus, was taking me to the place where I was going to meet him, there were some of the guards, and I was in a dhoti and everything, so they were looking at me and goes, you ever been inside before? And I said, uh, inside? Yeah, it's like, in jail. And uh, it's like, only briefly. Uh, Sankirtan. <laughs> no, no capital crimes. So uh, then, then they said, they looked at me and go, don't worry, we got your back. They were big husky guys. And I went into the jail, and I... I met Balavan Nitai, he wasn't initiated yet, and the uh, pastor, not the pastor, he's a uh, chaplain. chaplain, turned out to be an Indian from South India, who's a Christian, but he really appreciated what I was doing. And so, went in there and talked to him. And Balavan Nitai, having been through the material world in a very intense way, has a, a deep sense of compassion for others who, who are in jail or anywhere else, because he knows from how far he's come. And he always feels it and always says, I was saved by the mercy of Lord I'm When you talk about the most fallen, he would say, I'm it. I am the most fallen. And I was saved by Lord Nityananda. And so when somebody's been in it, they are in it, and they're being saved, they're the most valuable kind of association because they have empathy empathy. They feel what's inside you. They know what you're going through. They know that uh, if you're, there's different kinds of anxiety disorders here in the material world. One of them is called general anxiety disorder. Another one I think is called uh, social anxiety disorder. And you could go through a whole list. But there's a cognitive dissonance everyone has in this world because we're mixed up in the wrong place and when we notice that we're in a hole and we stop digging and we start taking shelter of Krishna, such devotees have a lot to offer others in the way of compassion because they know I know what you're going through because I'm going through it myself and that's really valuable association. Another question? Yes. Bhaktin Hardiki from all the way in Centerfield or whatever you call it in cricket. Now that we are on topic of compassion, I always have this question in my mind that how, while practicing compassion, how can we make sure that we can also, you know, work on detachment from the people around? So compassion and detachment, it generally, it goes, you know, it's parallel, but it's different. So, you know, how, 
We're Goshti Anandis. We like to live with people. Or if we don't like it, then that's okay too. Because we do. It's an austerity to live around people, but that's our austerity we've chosen. We follow in the footsteps of Prahlad Maharaj. Naivod Vijay Vaitaranyas. He's spoken his in several places in the Bhagavatam in his prayers to Lord Nishringan. He said, I don't want to go, go live by myself. I'm not going to the Himalaya, he said, to live alone. I want to live right in the middle of all the people. And the reason is because I've been given mercy by my spiritual master. He said, my spiritual master saved me. He saved me from a, a pit full of snakes. He pulled me out. He said, how could I ever forget his mercy? And then he goes on to say, the way that I'm expressing my service and my gratitude to my Guru Maharaj is by helping other people too. Living around people is the biggest austerity anyone can. Of course, we can't live with them, we can't live without them. It's the big, actually, I'll, I'll retract that. The biggest torture is solitude. Solitary confinement is considered by Geneva Convention to be unnatural un, and uh, illegal kind of torture to put somebody in solitary confinement. It makes people go crazy. You can't, we can't survive without others. We're social creatures. But it's hard living with people too. And one of the hardest things to do in the Krishna consciousness movement is get along with other people. Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's, everyone's a soul. We're all little samples of Krishna. Krishna's the supreme controller. We're little controllers. So everyone's got their idea. Let's go this way. No, I don't think so. We'll go that way. <laughs> when Nirkula and I first got married, we were, <laughs> we were married in New Dwarka. And then they tied us together. I'd never been tied to anybody in my life. And, and then... We had to cross the street to go to Govinda's. It was across this, uh, the big street. Now it's moved right on the temple. It's six lane you had to cross. She's from New York. I'm from the suburbs. And uh, as I found out very quickly after getting married that we walk at different paces. <laughs> She's used to jaywalking and like, like, let's beat the traffic and run in front of the cars. I was like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> We're all like that. Everyone has a slightly different pace in life and way of looking at things, so getting along with others takes a lot of work. And at the same time, when we're around others, for instance, if, if we're with family members and so forth, Bhagavatam, Seven Canto, gives some valuable instructions about this, that uh, we shouldn't withhold our, our emotions from our family members. In other words, uh, in the name of renunciation, we shouldn't say that, uh, you know, I'm so stoic and advanced and renounced that I'm not going to say I love you. Because people in the family can't survive without that. We, we have to express our love to our spouses and to our children and to others around us. Uh, that's that's the best of human association, is to feel that love. At the same time, we should also be cognizant that whatever association I have in this world, is we're just passing through. To understand that in very graphic terms, you can take the instruction of Hirani Kashipu to his family members. He gave so many vignettes about how we're just passing through this world. You know those instructions. I'm not going to say them right now, but the point is, what uh, Narada says to Yudhishthira is that one should not to, yeah that one should one should uh, as one's dealing with different kinds of association one should do it expertly and not be artificial about it. We have two duties in life. One is called vyavaharika, which means our ordinary duties that we have to attend to. If you go for a job interview. And they ask you where you're from, and you tell them Goloka Vrindavan, you're not going to get the job. But we have to take care of, not but, we have to take care of our worldly duties. We have to relate to people in normal ways. 
At the same time, we have to maintain our paramartika, our ultimate goal of life, and be making progress in that way. A balanced life for a devotee means to be able to do both of those things at the same time. And what's interesting is when we are Krishna conscious, we actually have more love for people. We have more love for family members. We're not artificially renounced from them. And one more at the same time is that we also shouldn't get entangled. Because if you're from India, anybody here from India? <laughs> A few people? You have 52 cousins. <laughs> I never had 52 cousins. But you all have at least 52 cousins. And if you go to India, they're all going to want you to come over to their house for a wedding or for some little celebration that doesn't mean much. And so you've got to be careful. Because some devotees will say, well, I'll just go to India. Then it's more spiritual over there. I don't know about that. If you get around your family, and we all love our families, right? Say yes. Yeah. We, uh, we can easily get entangled. So it's a dance we do through this world, through this life. We have to be careful. And if you, if you go to work and you have a boss you don't like, and the boss says, blah, 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 and blah, 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 you have to say, yes, sir, very nice, sir, very good, sir, and go on with your duty. That's exactly what it says in the Bhagavatam. I'm, I'm recounting practically verbatim what the Bhagavatam says. You say, yes, sir, very good, sir, whatever you say, sir. You do what you have to do, and you move on, and you go home and chant your mounds. So we live on these two levels that, that we have to balance all the time. And we should become attached to devotees. Prabhu quoted the verse earlier that uh, this is the process through which we advance in devotional service. When we become attached to devotees, and I said it too. Remember earlier I said, real detachment from the material world means having deep, loving attachment to the devotees. There is no neutral ground. We can't be detached from everything. That's not our nature. As Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, what verse am I thinking? Somebody? Can do a Vulcan mind meld? Um, it will come back to me. But we can't be inactive at all for any minute. Whoever sent that to my mind, I thank you. Appreciate it. Krishna says uh, we can't be inactive even for a moment. It's our nature to be attached to others. So we have to be attached to devotees. And for others, we may have an official relationship. We may have to work with them. There's a time in your life when you have to be with family. Time in your life you have to be with a boss you don't like. So that's the part you tolerate and it may be official. And Prabhupada told a story about the alligator and the monkey. You want to hear a story? Yes. It's about an alligator and a monkey. Still want to hear it? Yes. Even more so, right? Okay, so the monkey's in the tree and the alligator's in the lake below. And they started a conversation, which is odd because monkeys and alligators or don't get along that well. Alligators eat monkeys. You know that, right? I know this is a family show, so I don't want to alarm anybody. As they got to be friends, conversing with one another, the alligator developed a, a liking for the monkey. He said, he's a smart character. I really like him. And one day he went home and he told his wife, I got a new friend. I talk to him every day. He said, well, who's your friend? He said, monkey. Monkey? Why don't you bring him home? for lunch she said delicacy monkey heart I want his heart you could have the rest of him and the uh, alligator said he's my friend and I can't bring him here she insisted so much that he felt compelled that he had to go get the monkey and bring him back for lunch so he went back to the tree and he said my friend why don't you come to my house for lunch Monkey said, your house for lunch. Hmm. Alligator said, we're friends, right? He said, all right. He said, hop on. So he jumped down, did the monkey, onto the back of the alligator who started swimming home. And he was a sort of straightforward fellow. And he said, actually, I have to tell you that my wife's the one 
who pushed me into this. And, you know, it's not a big deal, but she likes monkey heart. And the monkey, being smarter than the alligator, said, Oh, you should have told me that before I jumped out of the tree. I left my heart in the tree. And the alligator said, Really? He said, Yes, really. Take me back, I'll grab it, and then we'll go to lunch. So, alligator did a U-turn, went back to the tree. Monkey jumped back in the tree and said, See you later, alligator. <laughs> and Prabhupada said that when we interact with people of the world, we may be there, but we don't give our heart. You leave your heart with the devotees and your loving exchanges with devotees. That's why we do this, to come together, have prasadam, to know how we feel, to commiserate with one another. Commiseration is an important part of our relationship. I was reading, in fact, somebody asked me the question, he said, how did a cur get cursed? by going to pick up Krishna in Vrindavan. And I had to look into it more deeply because that always vexed me also. He was doing his duty. And then he picked up Krishna and somehow or then he got embroiled in that whole Shamantaka thing, which is a real mess. Even attorney couldn't figure that, how to get everyone out of that one. <coughs> and what it says in the Bhagavatam commentary is that when the gopis were at the height of their distress that Krishna was leaving, Akura didn't console them. He was stoic. He looked straight forward and he just left with Krishna. Had he consoled them, perhaps there would have been a different outcome. And it just goes to show that as humans, we need consolation and we should take time for one another to commiserate and appreciate what we're all going through, back to your point about compassion and empathy. And it just goes to the whole point about our relationships in this world. We should try to feel what other people are feeling. And we should also know whom to associate with. Just last point on this, and that is that there is a categorical way we choose our association. In the Bhagavatam, 11th canto, Habi Yogendra says, Ishvare Taradineshu Valisheshu Dusatsucha Prema Maitri Kupopeksha Yakaroti Samadhimaha. That those who are moving about the world as Goshti Nandis to try to do good for others, they should categorize their association and act appropriately. So there's four entities that we interact with. Number one is Isha, Krishna. Number two is the devotees. Number three is the innocent, or I should say, are the innocent. And number four are those who are inimical to Krishna consciousness. For Krishna, our entire life is dedicated to developing prema. For the devotees, we make appropriate friendships. And that's also nuanced in the verse, Krishnati yasya giritam manasayat manasadriyeta dikshasti chet pranatibhishtam. We should associate with those who are devotees in a nuanced way. If you hear anybody say Hare Krishna, in your mind you should offer them obeisances. If you find a devotee who's taken diksha, in other words, they've taken a vow to chant Hare Krishna for the rest of their lives, you should get down and offer obeisances, or at least do this. And for those who have taken a vow and they've continued it and they've become advanced in devotional service, you should try to follow them around. Try to hear what they say, lean in a little bit, turn on your recorder and try to get something from them. So with devotees, we should make appropriate friendships and association. For the innocent, he says, we should try to pour in as much mercy as possible. If they're open, to keep pouring until they say that's it. And finally, for those who are inimical to Krishna, we should be upeksha. That is, don't chase them down the street. Don't keep calling them. Just let them go. And Jiva Goswami says, but, or Srila Bhaktisiddhanta says, we pray for them, but from a distance. Because the more you try to force yourself on people who aren't interested in Krishna consciousness or dislike it intensely, 
the more intense they get and the more offenses they make. So those are the ways we could associate with devotees. Yeah. Okay. I'll take Kartik Chandra and then I'll take yours because it was Ty goes to the runner. Ty goes to the runner in baseball and he's got the microphone. Um, you mentioned about compassion and being you know, kind towards the devotees. Sometimes we find that we are very committed, sincere in our kindness and our you know, compassion, helping devotees, only to later realize that sometimes they seemingly act in a way which is ungrateful and even disregard. And I think of I speak on behalf of several mentors who also felt that. Um, so it could be sometimes difficult to uh, deal with those individual situations. Um, what perspective should one hold in our mind when we come across this situation? Well, that's why they pay you the big bucks for being a mentor. <laughs> Anybody in any position, whether you're a parent, how about if you're a parent and your baby, you wake up 10 times a night to take care of your baby. And then, well, they're in their younger years, you walk them to school every day. And then you go out of your way to attend every birthday and make sure you're there for them all the time. And then when they turn 16, they say, who are you again? <laughs> That hurts. I mean, I left my family. It's like, see you guys later. Cleared out my all my stuff, and I said, you know, thanks, thanks for the ride. See you all later. I'm joining a Hare Krishna movement. Uh, they felt pretty upset about that. Uh, it was worth it. I'm not saying it's not worth it. Um, and also, when when we take on any role of taking care of other people. There's always a risk that they can break our hearts, that they can even turn against us. Everything goes, everything twists in the wind in this world. And if we adjust our, adjust our expectations about relationships, sometimes it helps because there's no limit to how convoluted the material world can get when we're dealing with people. And who's your friend now can become your enemy later and just so many things can happen. So we have to have a base. I mean, Prabhupada told devotees sometimes, he said, um, just trust Krishna. He said, don't even trust me. He said, anything but Krishna you can trust. So the, the fact is we, we should have that, we should have a base somewhere where we could resort to when somebody lets us down. And we can also feel that, okay, uh, this is not permanent. Remember, I quoted the verse earlier, Navajano Jata Katanshana Rajen Mukunda Sevan Yava Samsritim. I'm missing a word. Smaran Mukundang Ugrupa Hupagruhanam Punar Vihatamichena Rasagrahojana. There's a way in which devotees may leave, fall down, turn against us, and everything like that. But there's. Uh, they often come back stronger and are remorseful for doing so. I once had a godbrother who I was really close with and he, he left for 20 years and did the craziest stuff. I mean, tried every kind of, any kind of philosophy that was opposite of Krishna consciousness, he was into it. And it kind of hurt my feelings, you know, a good friend in Krishna consciousness like that. And then all of a sudden he came back. And, uh, and it, the, the longer you live, the more you see how powerful Krishna consciousness is. And it goes along with the verse I said, people come back. And sometimes, in different times of their life, they'll make a, a bad decision and they'll do something that seems ungrateful. But uh, we have to be tolerant and wait, just like parents. They always wait for their kid to come back. So that that is a the fact of being a Goshtiyanandi, that uh, you have to be a little careful. Of course, as somebody keeps reminding me, we're all sensitive. 
and you know it's going to hurt. That's part of the tapasya of being a Goshtiyanandi and taking care of people, is that if they become independent or they disregard your your association or something like that, it's going to hurt, and you have to take it as a cost of doing business in the in what you do. Uh, we have one more here and then there. So I promised her and then we'll go back to you. A flip question, okay. Very Thank you so much for your class. Um, just on the flip side of that. Yes. Kati um, Prabhu was mentioning about the, uh, the mentee and the mentor. And I'm flipping the question because this is something which has bothered me in the last year. And um, we have certain individuals who are um, very senior devotees in the movement, um, gurus, and we put them on a mental. We have an awe and reverence towards them. We look upon them for guidance. We look upon them for um, every little thing. They almost become our anchors because that's what we are taught. And then you find that the anchor moves. What you find is that that person is not walking their talk. They're sitting on the Vyasasana and saying things, and when you know so much about more about them because you get involved with the seniors, uh, there is a lot of things which is not quite in the same, to, uh, same way as being spoken. Uh, at that point, is so essential that um, how do you how do you face that? Because obviously, I'm I, and I'm very fortunate that the faith hasn't shaken, but almost you can see. So effectively, if we are the mentors, people are are looking upon us to walk our talk and and do it all the time, not only sometimes when somebody's watching you. So my question to you really is the flip side of that. Then when a mentor person in a senior position or a mentor doesn't walk the talk, and, and I know and you know what I'm examples I'm, I'm talking about. And, uh, if that happens, how do we actually stay still? And I know that the one thing you've said beautifully is that it's all temporary and things will move and change. But at that time, it not only hurts, it actually shakes a person's faith. So I'm asking on behalf of all those who's um, in that situation. How does one get through that phase where um, the faith shakes? Well, when all else fails, best to follow Shastra. And the advice uh, given about the guru-disciple relationship is ample if we study it carefully. I'm getting too much gain. Maybe it's the extra mic. No, that was it. Uh, first, it's a, a, like a preamble. Prabhupada mentions in some of his comments in the same seventh canto I was section I was talking about before about relationships and relationships between guru and disciple. Just to build context and perspective, there's a way in which sometimes uh, the person you consider guru, somebody else considers that, well, that's my brother or my son or that's my uncle. And Prabhupada mentions in there, because some people have a different relationship with one's guru, and they may see the guru in a relative way, it doesn't mean the guru is an absolute for the disciple. For instance, you know, somebody might, you might run into the guru's brother and they go, like, that guy? I grew up with him. Prabhupada tells the story about some friends and they're talking and they say, our friend Dalip is a high court judge now. And the other one says, that's impossible. Dalip's an idiot. And he <laughs> said, no, but I, I was just down at the courthouse. He's behind the bench. He's giving edicts and hitting the gavel and all that. He's got, even got the robot. And the other friend says, yeah, but he, he, he probably, uh, probably didn't go to law school. He, there's, a, um, there, there's a way that if, uh, one can relativize someone else. I, I just reacted to the point he said, you may talk to other seniors and they may say this or that. I'm not saying that they're, they're I'm just saying that we, there's also a point of discounting some of those things 
because they have a relative relationship, it doesn't nullify one's relationship with the guru. Having said that, guru means two things. It's a post and it's also a personal relationship. They're both things are there. And the, the post of guru and the principle is so enlightening or empowering that we can see from the Srimad Bhagavatam when Indra disrespected Brihaspati by not standing up when he came in, he lost everything. Meanwhile, who were the demigods worshipping? Uh, the demons at the same time. Shukracharya. Shukracharya, I mean, in some places he's glorified, but in most places in the Bhagavatam, we kind of know him as the anti-hero in the story of Bali Maharaj. And he's the, the guru for the demons, basically. But they were simultaneously empowered because they kept the principle of worshipping their guru. And there's some sense of that throughout the teachings in our, from our Gaudiya Vaishnava Acharyas. So one of the teachings is if you find that your guru somehow, you see some habit or the person's become retrograde in their practice, then you're supposed to go there and say, excuse me, Guruji, but we kind of need you. So would you please follow correctly? That instruction is there. So there's a sense of communication and respecting the post and also the person, but saying, you know, please kindly remember that you're carrying the message for us and that uh, please be in line with that. And then the Shastra says, if somebody rejects Vishnu, if the person that you're following categorically says, well, I don't believe in Vishnu anymore, you should become a materialist, then you should find another person in that post who you can relate to and who can give you shelter. And one can take many shiksha gurus in order to supplement one's devotional practice. So the, these are the, the basic teachings that, that come. And it's, uh, it is disheartening, but we should also be very practical and not lose our bearing in, in Krishna consciousness when, when such things happen. That's a very sparse answer, but I think it follows the lines of Shastra enough that it, that it, it can be helpful. At least I hope it is. I think it's a great answer because I think... Uh, you, let's give him back the microphone. That's a great answer, but, uh, but I think that what we have uh, is the philosophy of Krishna consciousness and that's something which is unparalleled. That is something which is unquestionable and that's completely perfect. So, uh, for me, at least, if we latch onto that, and nothing at that difficult time, and Krishna is there. So, just the two, and that will hopefully take us through that phase, and we'll, we'll bounce back. So, but, but thank you very much. Uh, I think it's very important that we address this openly and, and, uh, and, and prepare for it in case anything else, somebody else faces that. Yeah, it's important because, as I mentioned earlier, and we don't, even Freud said, we can't imagine the, the depths of human uh, degradation. In other words, it's, there's no bottom to it. You say, well, that's rock bottom. Then not quite. <laughs> Can keep going from there. So I, there, there's a way in which um, we should, um, if, there's, if there's something that's impeding our devotional service in relationships, then we should try to work it out. Uh, not necessarily with the person, maybe that's impossible, but in a society where we're organized in such a way that we can work together somehow or other and find a place for everybody, we should find a place where we can go on in Krishna consciousness. One of the most enlivening instructions I find in the Bhagavatam comes from the great commentator of the Bhagavatam, Sri Swami, And it's in the very first paragraph uh, in the verse Tatenu Kampamsu Sumikshamanu, in which he says the the duty of the son of a wealthy person, wealthy man, is to stay alive. Because he, of the inheritance laws. And he says similarly, the duty of those who are in Krishna consciousness is singular, and that is somehow or other stay alive. So 
oftentimes we have to be inventive because things don't always move in binary or very uh, linear ways. They, they move in uh, unimaginably circuitous ways and we have to find ways to stay alive somehow or other. And that's what we ask each other when we see each other as, hey, how are you staying alive these days? Because we get it from both sides. We can get it from the outside world. And then even within our own uh, society, we can have these anomalies where they're mind-boggling. So as you very um, astutely said, we have to figure out the way to stay alive. But we should also, while we're doing it, uh, follow Shastra. Because Yashastra Vinamutrija Vartate Kamakarata Nasa Siddham Avapnoti Nasukam Na Paramgatim. We may invent some new philosophy and say, this is how I'll work around it. But if it's not according to Shastra, then Shruti Smiti Paranadi Panchrachiki Vidimbina Aikantiki Harir Bhaktiru Patayaiva Kalpate. You'll, you'll not only uh, not attain happiness, perfection of life, as Krishna says, but you also disturb everybody else. So it's a fine line to walk, but it's, the, it's the, what we have to do in order to move forward in Krishna consciousness. Divyanam Prabhu? Yes, sir. What time is it and what, where are we? Which country, what, time, what date is it? <laughs> What, what, do we, what do we do now? We stop, right? Okay. Finish. I don't just, to say to stop, but... <laughs> oh, I have to say one more thing. Uh, Kartik Chandra probably told me earlier, and I have to say this. It's not that I have to say it. I really want to say it, and I'm, I'm surprised I haven't so far. And that is that uh, Prabhupada liked book distribution. And uh, you'll like it too if you haven't done it yet. You can't have any more fun in life, I promise you. And there isn't any better way to work out all your problems in life than going on book distribution. And if you don't like the food that's at home or the association you have in the ashram, just go on a book distribution and stay out there as long as you can. Because <laughs> people out there are so nice. Uh, yesterday we went out on book distribution and, you know, just... The people were so nice. Their hearts just opened and they were pouring out their love to us in different ways. And it was amazing. And so when you add book distribution to whatever project you have, so you have mentor-mentee program and both need each other, that you have to have, mentors have to have mentees otherwise it doesn't fulfill the meaning of the word. Uh, my father really I'm extending the class but it'll only be two minutes my father was a professor at University of San Francisco and he had a graduate student that I met after my father passed away that was really appreciative appreciative of my father's guidance in the PhD program there and he showed me something my father wrote to him that said changed his life and it has to go with this theme of mentor and mentee which is he said at the very end of his accolade for his PhD paper that he wrote, he said, what you didn't know is I needed you as much as you needed me. And it melted the person's heart. So that's one point. And the other point is if you add this outreach to any program, a book distribution, then everything falls into place in miraculous ways. And it's the most fulfilling thing you can have in your life. Whenever I'm in anxiety about management or answering correspondence that's lagging because I'm on a fast schedule and I can't get back to people in time or whatever else it may be, general anxiety disorder, then I always either dream about book distribution and I wake up happy <laughs> or I get the opportunity to actually go out on book distribution and there's no place I can find in my life that is unabated happiness. Unabated happiness, which is going on a book distribution. So I advocate for it because Prabhupada advocated for it. And I also do so because I don't think there is a safer place on the planet than being out with some books in your hand and trying to introduce them to other people. Kartik Chandra, was that okay? Om Tat Sat.
deeply touched by your hospitality here with the speak of the poetry that you read earlier. It made the, my, the head spin. And to all of you, you're all volunteers sitting in to try to help others advance in Krishna consciousness and trying to advance yourselves. And it's a hard slog, but life goes by really fast. So just fight one battle at a time and don't worry about anything. Masu because you're all going back to Godhead. This is just a land launching pad here. We're only here for a few minutes and you're going to go straight back to the spiritual world by being involved with Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement. Om Tat Sat. Hare Krishna.